Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I am your host, Scott Dr. GX Wolfine, musicologist, creative arts journalist, and multimedia pro. Whether you're watching the video version of this show or the audio-only podcast version, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in this show. If you enjoy this programming, there are several ways to help support Truth and Rhythm, as well as contribute to further enhancements and expansion, plus get some sweet perks and rewards in the process. First, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube, which is where Truth and Rhythm lives, and be an advocate by spreading the word among fellow funk, jazz, and R&B music lovers. Second, join Truth and Rhythm's new membership program through Patreon, which features three tiers for truth believers, truth seekers, and truth crusaders. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkinstuff.net. At that site, which is loaded with awesome content, you can also purchase the book, Everything's on the One, The First Guide of Funk. Shop for official Truth and Rhythm and Funk and Stuff merchandise and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. Contact me directly at scottg at funkinstuff.net. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. I'm pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership, funk, jazz, and hip-hop bassist, composer Robert Harper. Growing up in Southern California's Carson community, he was influenced and inspired by exposure to music stars like Chucky Booker, Barry White collaborator Terrence Thomas, Tina Marie and Ice-T associate Bendrix Williams, Crusaders offspring Wilton Felder Jr., and Brian O'Neill of the Bus Boys. Gigging regularly as an ace session player, Harper worked with late great fellow bassist Lewis Johnson of the Brothers Johnson, and Robert Wilson of the Gap Band. In recent years, he has carved out a solo career with a pair of albums and an EP. His most recent release is The Funk Record, right there. And uh, it came out earlier this year with tracks like Get Up, All About That Funk, and On The One, it fully delivers on the title. Robert, welcome. How are you? Glad to have you. 
you have me here, man. I appreciate it. Um, so let's get rolling and funking. Yeah, absolutely. Where are you coming to us from today? I'm out of the beautiful state of Maryland, man. I finally left California, and um, you know, I'm, I'm an animal lover, and I love the trees and the greenery. But the music scene is popping out here, so uh, I'm, I'm really settled and doing the thing out here. Well, of course, uh, great history of funk in Maryland too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Since I, I found out, since I've been here. And the players just welcome me with open arms. David Dyson, uh, Gary Granger from Pockets. Mm -hmm. You know, they all uh, just so cool, man. That's great. And going back even, you know, way back, like some of the P-Funk guys, there was a whole contingency that kind of came out of the Baltimore area. Oh, yeah. Um, you have a um, – what's the guy? The P-Funk got bass player. Uh, Skeet, Rodney Skeet Curtis. Skeet Curtis, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we haven't really kicked back together yet, but he's not. He's like thirty minutes from me. You know what I mean? In Baltimore. Yeah. And, uh, you, uh, I, I will begin with the drummer soon. The, the, the P Funk drummer. Uh, Dennis uh, Chambers. Uh, no, no, the one that's playing with him now. Oh yeah, yeah, Benzel. Yeah, Benzel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you got a Gary Garrett Scheider right out here. It's a hard beat away, so you probably see us doing something in the future. Yeah, him and his mom's out here. So, yeah, you you do your homework. You know this stuff, man. Yeah, well, all these guys have been on the show, too. So, yeah, it's all good. Right. Um, well, glad to have you. Um, and, um, you know, I want to uh, first find out how you got into music and the bass specifically. I was always into it. Before the bass, I was just uh, always drawn to the stereo that was at my house growing up. You heard a lot of those stories. Um, I was always attentive to what was going on. Like even when I was two and three, when my, when they, uh, my, my mother and stepfather used to have these little get-togethers and, and uh, drink their Coke 45 and play dominoes and stuff, it'd be like about seven, eight people, a little small group, you know? They would do that like periodic, like maybe twice a month or something on the weekends, because both of them worked, you know, real hard. And uh, and all the kids, I was the oldest. Go to your rooms, right? But I'm always peeking out and listening. And then finally, when I'm locked down in the room, I would crack my door just to hear the music that was playing. I just didn't like to be in a room closed up, complete silence. My brother and sister, they were the younger, so. They didn't know what was going on, but I, I had to have that, at least that music while I was laying down. And that music got to me, man. You know, that was way back. That was like, a, we're talking about a Dionne Warwick, Burt Bacharach, and then Joe Tex. That's when I started hearing funk and stuff, you know what I mean? And I was taking out all, all that stuff in it at a very young age. I started dancing and stuff and in a, in a, in a, becoming a great dancer in elementary school. You know, here I am, what, 10 years old? Seven, nine, I forgot, <laughs> but I was young starting out, mimicking the Jacksons, everybody did that, you know, and uh, just watching everybody on Soul Train, you know what I mean, that was, I watched that show religiously, that, that's, I went to church with Soul Train, every week, you know what I mean, oh yeah, I could, and I just, and I would just watch the, 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 the bands up there, and study them, and just dream, you know, daydream about being up there, and finally got a guitar, around, uh, well, this is a story I haven't told anybody else. I got a, my first guitar actually in like in the third grade. 
and it was acoustic, just a regular guitar. And, and my sister busted it up with a, with a jump rope. I don't know what she was doing, but she busted the, she busted the dog. Sisters. Yeah, you know. And I, um, I'm like, what did I do to you? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, make a long story short, I, I did a, um, I forgot I'm going to have to rush this interview either. Um, I didn't see another guitar for like three and a half, almost four years. Four years, yeah, after that. But I kept the dancing up, and I started winning the contests at the uh, talent shows at school. So, you know, that had me just continually to just keep singing. And I was a singer and a, just a dancer back then. And the bass, bass. I wanted to get a guitar at first. I went to a music store out there in Hollywood with my grandmother, who was really the one behind all the music. My mother was a business lady. She didn't have time for that. Take $20, get out of my face, kid, you know? <laughs> so I had my real connection with my, my grandmother. And she's the one who used to take me, like she used to clean houses of the Jacksons and uh, who are these people? Uh, uh, Natalie Cole and, um, oh, that was a while back. I can't think of all the other people. And I was actually, she would actually take me to these big mansions out there in California. And, and I would just sit down while she's doing her thing. and Kind of creepy going to those big houses when you're young, too, because, you know, they're big. And the hallways and stuff, I'm thinking, like, something's going to jump out on me. Like but The Shining, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but back to the music. So she still a, a music store that's no longer around called. You probably know this. I'm, you're from California, right? Um, yeah. What was, it, was it something on Vine? No, not that store. Was it that one? I forgot the name of that store. It was a big one right there Sunset and Vine. I can never get that name right. Um, but I uh, went in there and they gave me a little Tito guitar and I, I held that up and played it, you know, messed around. And then he said, this is a bass guitar. Now this is the first time I heard somebody say that. That bass guitar. And he brought it out. Guitar Center? No, no. no. It's, it's even there no more. It's a big old store. You know where Motown Records is that used to be at, on that corner right there? Yeah, I used to work near there, yeah. It was right across from there, okay. a, a, a big store. This is back in the 70s, you know what I'm saying? I think it probably closed up around 83, somewhere around there. But it was the biggest store out there. Um, and it might have been Stein on Vine, and they just moved down to that little store. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I just don't know the name. I was so little, you know what I mean? I was only like, what, sixth grade or something? But anyway, uh, so when I got that four-string bass in my hands, uh, I said this on an interview before. I said four strings seem like they're easier to play than six little ones. <laughs> so that's what made me decide that bass started locking into my brain. Now, I've heard bass all the time. I told you listening to those records. But actually getting the instrument, was that was the decision. I saw six little strings and four big ones. And I said, you know, the four big ones are like they're easy to play. <laughs> I laughed at that Every time I think about that. So um, my grandmother waited for a while, and uh, she, she grabbed me a bass, man, and uh, I took off took off from there. So you were roughly how, uh, sixth grade when you first got a bass? Uh, that summer, between the sixth and the seventh grade. I was scared to go to seventh grade. So yeah, right you know, right in the middle. Yeah, you had a summer school before you go to your junior high school? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and... 13, 12, something like that. And did you, uh, you know, how soon did you gravitate toward, like, funk, you know? Oh, that was immediately. 
um, that was immediately <laughs> the first song I learned was Skin Tight. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even took a lesson yet, you know. Uh, I didn't start lessons right away until about, hmm. I guess my parents wanted to see was I serious with it. So they kept seeing me fool around with it after about three months. Uh, but bef- but then three months uh, prior, you know, before I started lessons, private lessons, you know, going to the music store, take a lesson. I used to just emulate, you know. I used, You know what? I wasn't even playing records. I was just playing. I had a little Sears Robux amp. My stepfather bought me with a little, it looks nice, but it had a little five-inch radio shack speaker in it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe with the terry cloth on front. Yeah, I'm sure. I can I, I can imagine it rattling while you're playing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got one switch, a red light, and two knobs, tone and volume. But it was the stuff. I was excited. And I, I sometimes, like, I was like, I, I played outside a lot with the fellas on the streets. I lived in a nice suburban area that was called, uh, it's called Carson, California. And they got a lot of streets where it's a lot of not a tra- lot of traffic, so we can uh, play uh, touch football right on the street, and, and uh, you know bicycles and skateboards right there. We didn't have to go to a park unless we really wanted to. So most of the time I spent outside. But when we had those rainy days, or everybody just happened to be gone somewhere. I grabbed the bass and I was playing one day. This was a kind of cloudy rainy day, and I was in the house and I'm just moving around. Don't know what I was playing. I was playing with these two thumbs. This thumb was for my, uh, my, 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 my Freddy my hand, and this thumb was my, my, my picky. I, <laughs> can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah it's tough to fret like that. <laughs> That's how I started. And uh, I, I was, I, I call it, what they call it, when you noodling around, noodling on the bass? Yeah. And, and it just, it was like, wow, like a, this clouds open. I, I heard something. Some said, dun, dun, dun. And I said, wait a minute. I just froze in my tracks. I said, I heard that before. And I was noodling. I wasn't trying to play nobody's songs. You get me? And then I went back and I said, wait, that's skin tight. So I figured, I went back and got that part right. And then I figured out the other part. Boy, boy, boy. I played that baby three hours to our fried that little amp. True story. Well, you know, Skin Tie was actually the first album I ever bought on my own in the store. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. We got some faded stuff there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why Ohio Players were my first favorite group, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... As you like became into your teens, you know, and and got a little older, you know, were you playing in bands, and you know, what type of uh, bands were you playing? We had all. We I was lucky, blessed, I would say, to have living out there where bands were everywhere. We could just get on our bike or walk, and we knew what band was where playing in what garage. All in my community, you know what I mean. Um, I, I, I got a few, I name a few, a little bit of that stuff on my website, but uh, like, like I mean, people that you now you see out there, it's like, oh wow, like I said, Chucky Booker, remember I tell you, he lived actually in another city nearby in San Pedro, but he would come over there, his parents would drop him off. Um, who's these other cats? Uh, Bendrix, I mentioned him earlier. His real name is Benny, but you know he's so deep into it. Hendrix, he just changed his name legally. You know what I mean? And uh, he used to. He was the one who was like, what they call that? When you're just like ahead of the game. I'm lost of words today. 
and he was playing. He was he's had us all playing with our teeth and behind our back and all that crazy stuff. You know what I mean? And he lived in Eaglewood, where Tina Marie lived. You know, where Tina Marie, Tina Marie would eventually live. He actually lived there before her. That's how he met her. But uh, he, everybody was coming to Carson. Oh, he had an auntie in Carson, so he would come and spend the weekend with it, uh, over his auntie's house because he knew all these musicians was out here. You get me? And it was just a real fun thing. And so we just, and then we had a great uh, city council and all that stuff. And all our parts, we had so many parts out there, like within a, I would say, three mile radius. I had like five parks, different parks to play at every summer and during the, sometimes during the fall and stuff when they had little parties and stuff. But they always had battle of the bands and stuff at all these parks. And all the schools out there had these talent shows, but the Battle of Bands were nice because the radio stations were sponsoring it. So I didn't have to leave out of my city. You know what I mean? It was all right there. I, I, I just had uh, Kipper Jones on, who was part of the group Tease, and they actually won one of those Battle of the Band contests when they first got started out there. And and uh, yeah. and I was I lived for a long time uh, in Fox Hills, not too far from there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Chucky met, uh, did some producing with Tease. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All world, man. Yeah. You know, Ray J and Brandy came later after I left. Mm hmm. And the boys, a little group, a little R&B sensation group. I think they had a gold record called The Boys. Uh huh. They had a little little boy bands like the Jacksons. Uh, they had a couple albums in them. I think I, I think Kepper Jones worked with them too, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Brandy. He worked with Brandy, too. Yeah, it's all like this family. Uh, who are some of your, uh, you know, you talked about some of the other groups and people that came from that region, but who are some of your musical heroes uh, as you were developing your music ability? And, you know, I saw some of your videos on YouTube where you're playing all these classic funk tunes, and it's so cool to see those, and I encourage everyone to go check those out because... I mean, you're doing everybody from Ohio Players, I think, to Slave, to Larry Graham. And, I mean, you're hitting all the classics and showing how it's done, you know. But yeah. uh, I assume that those are some of your big influences growing up, too. All of them. And I have some more coming out, too. What's going to be really cool is we'll touch and talk about it later, I guess. It's just, uh, you know, when I'm doing all this stuff I'm doing here, all these videos, and I got all these sponsors, and I'm wearing all these different hats. I still have to make sure I'm getting live performance in to, to keep oiled up. You know what I mean? There's nothing like, you know, going out playing live. I, I just can't get that sitting in here chopping it up all day. So uh, uh, we, I have plenty to pick from out here, and I got with a, uh, a little R&B funky outfit called a True Soul. Uh, they're in Virginia, uh, and it's about an hour. They say it's about an hour and 15 minutes away. But I, uh, it's funny because I like what they're doing. And, and I like the people, you know. I'm at, I'm at, I'm at this point in my career where I'm gonna have a little fun too. You know what I mean? It's not gonna just be dreadful work, work, work. I want to enjoy a little bit what I'm doing out there. So I turn down a lot of stuff all the time, and um, but I do it in a nice way. You know what I mean? I want to just do this funk thing, man, and uh, you know because uh, I've been kind of sleeping on some stuff. Uh, people have been kind of sleeping on me. Because I took off for a while and raised six kids, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and once you get out to life for a while, for a few years, it's like, who's Robert? <laughs> you know? So so who are your like top three bass heroes? 
three. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's real simple. Uh, Bootsy, Larry Graham, and Lewis Johnson. That's me. I, I everybody's. I see. I read about a lot of bass players where they start off with Jocko and Stanley. Uh, that was me. <laughs> I was just straight up funk, baby. And, and if you watch, if, and if you check out any of my stuff on Google, I don't try to be nobody else. I, I stay in my lane and just do me. Um, now, now I can say this: it was a couple of years ago when I was going to uh, do a. Uh, let me see. I was working on a record, and I wanted to. I was kind of. Got, I felt a little peer pressure when I see everybody tapping and, and doing these chords and all this stuff. But when I sat back to write like that, I didn't feel that. And I had to go talk to some people about that. And they and all of them said the same thing. They said, you know, playing different styles and different techniques, it, it's, it's nice, but you're an artist. you got to remember that first and foremost. And every artist do, doesn't paint the same canvas. Mm -hmm. When I was told that, I had to, I learned, it made me see it a little different, you know. So he, so the guy said, "Paint your canvas, you know. Don't worry about nobody else's, you know. You, you know, you. And I'm already kind of really established on the underground, so I don't really have nothing to prove. So, <laughs> you know, I do this full time. I'm, uh, I've been blessed with my music to actually pay some bills. You know what I mean? So. I'm good with that. I think that happened to a lot of you know great funk artists going into the '80s that the record labels kind of steered them away from funk and away from their their core audience and their and their core music and love. And yeah. more often than not, it kind of you know sent them on a path not to you know so much success. And uh, they sometimes regretted doing that later. Um, so yeah, I mean, and for those that love your playing they'll really appreciate and be that much more loyal if you stick yeah. with it, you know? So, yeah. um, how did you, uh, uh, cross paths with Lewis Johnson? Oh, that was because I was 1997. I was looking through a bass player magazine and I turned the page and I said, Whoa, a Lewis Johnson signature bass. They selling it, right? Production model, right? So you know that's one of my idols. I'm a freak out, right? So I called the um, the company at the time. It was called um, Trekker. Dave Bunker, yeah. He's a, a great ba bass guitar maker. I contacted him, and, and because he was in a different state, he didn't have a big distributor. He didn't have him in the stores yet. You know, you just buy direct from him. So, matter of fact, that was my first NAMM show. He said, I'm going to the NAMM show. Uh, can you go to that? And I kind of read about it a little bit. I never really read, not in detail. And I knew it was at the Anaheim Convention Center. I'm familiar with that. I'm, I'm, I'm about 35 minutes away from that. I said, I'll be there, right? He said, good. Well, I'm going to bring the bases. We can talk all about it. Now, I didn't know that uh, the, uh, I didn't know the procedure of getting it in the NAMM show. I thought you just roll up and buy a ticket like you're going to a concert, and that's not the case. <laughs> so, uh, the fast forwarding, he got me in the NAMM show because back then you could use other bodies, other people's passes. They weren't so strict on name badges and all that. So they called them floater back then. If a couple of guys from a company wasn't going on the last two days, 
somebody else could use the badges. So that's what he did for me. And then when I got in there, uh, Lewis was coming there because he was sponsored by, you know, his base, that uh, signature base. So I went straight to his booth, and I said, oh, where's Lewis? And he said, oh, he should be here in a little while. And then we started talking about that. He showed me the Lewis Johnson base and all that stuff. And then he said, there he is right there. And there he is. I turn around, and here goes Lewis Johnson walking up, flesh and blood. And I'm trying to be cool, you know what I'm saying? This is a this is a while back. I was a little young. <laughs> and I didn't have, you know, I just I, I but I, I think I did pretty good. Um and uh so what I did was I'm gonna tell you the truth. Uh I actually stalked Lewis at the stalking. That means chasing behind him at the, at that NAM show. He didn't know it, but me and another guy I met there. He had brought one of those Olympic bases, the one Stanley Clark used. He had brought his base with him. And so we were trying to chase Lewis down because at that time, I was so into Lewis, I played like Lewis. Mm. I, that's, I, that's, that's something you got the first thing on the interview. I never explained that on other interviews I did before. Um, good thing we got time to talk. Uh, so you got some new stuff here. Yeah, um, I was so much into his stuff. I mean, sick with it. I played exactly like him. I thought like him. But when you get older, you start playing these other gigs and stuff. You got to find. <laughs> you got to come out and, and, and be your own and be able to give people some other stuff. You know, you you, you got to expand your horizons. You know, because I was I was getting a lot of gigs, but then I got turned down a lot too. Because it's like, dude, you sound just like Lewis. That's all you got. You know what I mean? So. It was a catch, catch. What they say back in the days, twenty-one or something like that. You know, and Lewis was usually like cranked to ten on the bass. You know, I mean, yeah, I was too. I mean, hand thunder thumbs. Look, I had the hand way out here, like three feet away from the bass and all that. Uh, and, oh, let me finish that story real quick. So, what happened was we chased him around. He stopped at about five or six places, and I would plug up somewhere and play some of his licks. With my back turned, and I asked the guy that was with me, "Is he watching? Is he watching?" Uh, so we couldn't catch him nowhere, because uh, you know it's noisy there too. So the last place where I, uh, he was at, uh, what that place called? Some strings. He was with Labelle Strings. He was over there talking, and I creeped by. <laughs> Got an amp, and I was closer this time. I was about like maybe nine feet away, and I started doing some some funk stuff that he he knows he does all the time, some licks. And I said, is he looking? He looking? He said, no, no. And I was getting deeper and deeper in it. I said, is he looking now? He said, no. So I I was like, I'm cool. This is enough. You know what I mean? Let's just go home, man, and enjoy the NAMM show. You know what I mean? I was kind of like exhausted by trying to impress Lewis. But when I was walking by him as he was talking to the, the, uh, the CEOs or whatever at the exhibit he was at, he tapped me on my shoulder. And I turned around and I said, "Yeah." He said, "Hey, man, could you uh, could you play with me right now? I want to do a little something for the Bella Strings." And I said, "Well, we don't have no amplifiers here." He said, "Oh, don't worry about that." I said, "Really? Now you know I'm not gonna tell him no." <laughs> so we uh, we actually played thump thump bass with no amplifiers and draw a huge crowd there. And then you see how I am. I'm very theatrical. I, I once you get me loose, I can get I can get to going. So 
I had I had had I had put the strings in my mouth while I was playing, and then I took them out and I said something, something crazy, you know, just like that relates to the labella strings and what we doing, you know what I mean? And he just loved it. After that, it was a wrap. He uh, he asked me what I like to be in this group called uh, uh, Ever Ready, and what that was, he was tired to of uh, him at that time. Him and his brother had because of some personal differences, they had two brothers Johnson, Johnson bands going on. From uh, what I think '96 to about I can't get that last year. I know George. George around that time was also playing with uh, Graham, Graham Central Station. Yeah, yeah. They were they were separate for a while. Yeah. And, you know things happen in family with brothers. You know what I mean? It was just good. They 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 united later. They had to go through what they went through. You know. So I was playing with Lewis, and that was a, that was a trip because what Lewis was tired of is he get the calls. You know, the big kids, 10,000 and stuff, and up. But he always got to hire these guys who read sheet music in it. He just said he wasn't feeling it. You know, he got he wanted somebody that was funky and that they did some rehearsals. And you know what I mean? He wanted a little, little go ready, ever ready, bad, ready to go. You know what I mean? That he was familiar with. So I said, hey, man, I'm there. Whatever you need, just give me a call. I exchanged my, my, my stuff with him. And about a... It was all. It wasn't even like barely two weeks after the NAMM show was over. He gave me a call, man, and uh, we started hooking up in North Hollywood. That's where we. It was called North Hollywood. What's the name of it? North Hollywood Recording Studio, something like that. And uh, he was showing me uh, you know what they call that. It was rough for me back in them days. Uh, ain't we funkin' now? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! I was having some problems back in the days with that one. But he was showing me the, he was breaking it down to me and all the songs. And uh, you know what got me is he can actually play a good rhythm guitar. You know, he, I mean, he can play those songs, you them hit songs you hear. He know how to play them just like that on the guitar too. So that was kind of a shocker for me. I didn't know that. But if you look on the album credits, he does get credit for guitar on there too. You ever checked them out? Yeah. You ever checked them out, Scott? I didn't notice the guitar part. No. Yeah, some of those albums, like the the first one or two albums, hmm. uh, he is on there as a guitar player on some of them songs too. Interesting. Uh, but, but yeah, very interesting. And um, so that started that man. And then uh, I got a couple of Lewis Johnson basses made. One was stolen. The other one I just didn't really like what was going on with the uh, with the uh, it had a thing called a floating neck, but it was uh, it was dampening my pops and plucks and I mean the maker just couldn't reach no agreement on that so you know it is what it is how how, lo how long did you keep in touch with with him with Lewis oh I kept in touch with Lewis up in for years let me see because uh, you know I didn't move out here until like seven years ago six years ago uh, Lewis uh, uh, he started getting back with the brothers um, with his brother uh, George, I lost contact with him then. Then he had uh, another group on the side. Uh, I would say it wasn't super long, about because I was I was like busy four years, about four years. Because mm, mm. such a shame we lost him so young, you know, not too yeah, long ago. But I did just to honor the if it was five minutes to be around the people that really set me my life into motion. You, have, you know, they, people don't understand about this music thing. You know, uh, when you when you when you when you 
I'm just going to speak for myself, uh, and a lot, a lot of people can attain to this, is when we growing up and, and we don't have, we're trying to look for this direction, who we are as a man, all that stuff plays part, especially if you don't have no father at home. I was, yeah. lucky to have a, I was lucky to have a stepfather who helped me out to about 14. <laughs> well, I think a Q, uh, Quincy Jones did some of that for Lewis and George. Yeah, you know, and so we, our idols are really bigger than we than we actually tell you guys. Y'all think it's just the playing and the copying, but they were actually your big brother when you didn't have a big brother there, your, your pops when you didn't have a pops, you know what I mean? Because we sat in the house and that means it actually kept us probably from doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, 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 you know it kept us in the house playing these basses and it kept us kind of grounded. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Mm. I was going to uh, bring up Amy Funkin now. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you what were your one or two favorite Lewis parts. And I figured for me, I was thinking that one and Mr. Cool. Oh, man, you beat me to it. <laughs> I was just say that. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I want to do a Mr. Cool, uh, but. I want to, um, you know, uh, I got to find me a real cool drummer who's not going to give me no attitude. I don't, I'm just not, I'm doing so much now. When I do these videos and this stuff and I'm paying for all this, I'm the boss. I can listen to your opinion. But, dude, when I, I'm so serious about my funk, well, if I say something ain't right, it's not right, fix it, man. Don't give me no lip. So, uh, uh, you, let me see, what is this? This is uh, January, February, March. Yeah, I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm gonna guarantee you, I'm gonna put myself on the spot. I'm gonna kick out Mr. Cool, Bates and Drum video before this year's over with. All right, cool. look for that, man. I'll hold you to that. I got all the way to December now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so how did you uh, uh, meet or cross paths with Robert Wilson? Back in them days, uh, I don't want to start beating up the police either, but let's just say it, let me try to say it like this. You get stopped for anything. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just, just minor stuff. You know what I mean? Go to jail for it too. And, and make a long story short, uh, I had some open containers in the car. I didn't know my friends was back there. Did I know or not? I don't want to start lying. I probably knew. <laughs> but they were in the back of my car with the open containers. Uh, uh, and uh, something else uh, was a, a nickel bag of weed under the passenger seat. And this is the deal. They had they kind of fixed it now. Well, no, it's back to it now because of the COVID thing. If you go, if you go to jail for anything minor on a Friday night after twelve a.m., mm -hmm. you you're stuck in there until Monday, unless you want to pay five or six grand to get out. You know what I mean? So I just I said, God damn it, y'all taking me down for this, man? Uh, you know, I took the I took the rap for all that. You know what I mean? They drove the car home. I went in, and then see, I guess it was meant to be, because I saw Robert Wilson in there. So I didn't know him at the time, but I knew his face. And uh, he, you know, when you're not a criminal, let me stop. They they don't put you in like with with killers and and, and bars and all this stuff that you see on TV. They put you in a little nice dorms and stuff. And, and they let you be a trustee if, you, if you're going to be there for a minute and you serve the food, you know, and, and the criminals be trying to punk you and all that, you know. <laughs> Scared straight. 
Yes, when I came in, uh, when I came in, uh, I saw him as a trustee. He, they wear a brown color. And I said, that look like Robert Wilson. But I'm not going to speak out of line in, in, in the county jail because I heard a lot of horrible stories in there, you know? The best thing to do is slip forward and keep your mouth closed. But in this story, uh, a, a guy, a little younger guy behind me, you know, young guys, and say whatever they, they want. He said, what's his name? I said, Robert Wilson. He said, Robert. And he turned around, and I said, that's him. Speed that story up. We winded up, we winded up crossing paths at the doctor. I had to see a doctor, and I saw he was working around there. And uh, we swapped numbers after I told him a few people I meet and everything. And uh, he actually gave me a real phone number. <laughs> it wasn't bogus. And I called him, man, and uh, we, we hit it off real well, you know. He's real quiet off stage. A lot of people don't know that. It just kind of threw me off to see him jumping around with all the funk songs and stuff. But he was the, he was like, he, he's quiet. He, Charlie is like really the, you know, the one that's out there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about the other brother. I never met him. But, but Robert was real cool, and uh, and uh, it took a while to. Uh, we didn't take that long. It took about eh, about three to four weeks of me uh, just communicating back and forth with him about who I was and what I'm doing for him to finally real uh, feel comfortable with me. You know what I mean? And the only thing I, I feel bad about that is me and Robert was working on something at the same time he was working with Twenty Tisdale before he passed. I have no, I don't have no rights to none of that stuff. I think we did well. We did, we did two songs. Uh, we didn't finish it, but they could still finish it. But I don't have no rights how to get that stuff or nothing. Uh, uh, and I got his good memories of just going in the studio with him, man. Oh, we played in a couple of churches. That was cool. He uh, He's a good drummer. <laughs> And uh, they, you, know, they come, you know, him and uh, Charlie come from a church background. Makes sense. So we were somewhere, where we at? Uh, Pleasant Valley, California. And they got a big church out there. And we were supposed to go to visit a musician or something he knew out there, right? But you know when you step through the door, people kind of know you from, or they've been talking about you. So I had a little stuff going on, not as much as him. But they was like, that's Robert Harper and uh, Robert Wilson. They they be doing the thing. You know, they kind of pumped us up when we got there. And so they put us on blast and wanted us to get on stage. Now, I'm not a gospel musician. <laughs> but uh, I, so I was like, I was kind of like skeptical. I also wanted to sit down and watch this sermon. You know what I mean? And Robert kind of, he, he kind of, he, he pushed me in there. He, he's like, what did he tell me? He said something crazy. He told me I can't remember. Uh, and whatever he said, it kind of ticked me off. And I said, okay, man, is that serious? Let's go. So I got on the bass. He said, I play drums, man. You just play bass. And so he kind of, like, pumped me and get me up there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was it. That's the only time we played on stage at that church. Well, hey, to me, to me, if you do church music right, it's funky. So. Oh, oh, I ain't saying it's not. Yeah. I'm just saying I was scared of the unknown. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was like, I see, I see so many of these guys doing their bass runs and stuff. I was like, man, I don't know none of that. I mean, now don't get me wrong, I do know it, but I never used it in that format. You get me? Because when I see them doing that, you know, right. I don't have my face to like that. A little outside your comfort zone.
like so in awe when I see them guys doing that. And I, I mean, that stuff, I, 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 I play in a different format with blues and different other stuff. It just wasn't known. Just wasn't really, I, I never really studied, studied it that much when it comes to the church. So I was a little nervous, you know what I mean? But you, 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 you know, life, one thing about music, let me make sure I turn this off. It's a bunch of experiences, man. Hey, so I want to talk about uh, some of the music you've put out. Uh, unless there's a, uh, any final words you want to add on Robert Wilson, are we good? Oh, just God bless him and his daughter, man. Um, great guy, man. Uh, I just wish he could have seen more. Uh, he had more story. He was he was just getting stretched out into his own as a soloist. And he was going to start doing stuff that a lot of people didn't know he could do. <laughs> Very talented bass player. Uh, uh, besides just playing a groove, you know, and uh, you can hear a little bit of it if you pick up. Uh, I forgot the name of that album. Him and Wayne Tisdale. Uh, last time they played together, they got a couple tunes out. I, I don't, I don't have, I don't remember the song right now. But uh, he, man, I, I, it was just that. But you know, you know, I, I appreciate the, the. I got a lot of head knowledge from them guys, even though I didn't get the tour with them, like I, like we was all planning to do, just to. Just the the being, the being in the presence and get ready and get get acknowledged. Like I I used to, uh, I knew so many songs back in the days when me and Robert used to jam. We used to have these jam sessions. He was he was astonished. He was like, "How do you know so many songs?" And I just say, "Man, I just love funk bass. Every time I hear something, I learn it. You know, I mean, man, he he was impressed by that. And Lewis, of course, knew. He heard me when I when I at the Nam show. He didn't have to even look, but they, he could tell that I've been studying him. And just to be around them guys in Bootsy Collins, I, uh, me and Bootsy, we even do stuff like I gave him endorsements, all kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I've really been spending, being more vocal with Bootsy uh, lately. I don't want to take the, uh, I don't want to waste the time like I did with those two. You know, I was so busy doing other stuff. I really could have spent more time with my idols, man. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, I kind of get on Bootsy's nerve a little bit more. <laughs> well, so did you meet Bootsy at, at, at Nam too, or how did you meet him? Uh, the first time, personally, let me see. First time, yeah. But before that, I actually was introduced. We made Bootsy go back in the MySpace days. That's when uh, I actually got to know Bootsy. We didn't know each other, like physically, see me each other. But... Back in them days, this was before Facebook and all that, and everybody wasn't on there like that. We used to talk on MySpace every day like it was a telephone. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, that's how we really got to know each other. And back in them days, it was like 19. It wasn't that long ago. It was like, what, what 19? Let me see. MySpace, 2000. What's this? I think it was like 2008, uh, seven like that. Somewhere okay. around there. Uh, and uh, that's when I offered, I offered him three of my endorsements. You know, he was still in retirement at the time. He didn't come out to win 2011 or 12 out of retirement. So maybe that's why we had a lot of time to talk a lot, you know. And and, and I just did it with nothing. When I, when I hooked him up with his endorsements, it wasn't because I was looking for something in return. He's just my boy. He my he, Him, Lewis Johnson, Larry Graham. Ah, you know what I'm saying? I got a whole bunch more now. But them three, they shaped and molded me, man, you know, oh, to yeah. a point. Um, oh, then of course, Cordo Mason. Oh man, Buggy, yeah. that's where I got my timing at. 
Uh, I'm known for, uh, you know, all bases are known for different things when it comes to getting hired behind the scenes. Like, they'll call and say, who's this Robert Harper guy? Who's Victor? Oh, Victor can play fast and do all this. Who's Marcus? Oh, he got this. When they call me, what I've been known for is the, the, the locked-in groove I keep and my timing. My timing is immaculate, and I, and I, and I can only brag about it. It came from the Parmy Live album. So when I, I teach bass lessons, right, beginners, because I like, I just love them. They don't try to talk back at you. <laughs> and it is a big field for them. So if anybody want to get out there and make some change, uh, uh, the, that field is open. I, I have to turn down these youngsters. It, I just, it's not enough people to want to deal with the kids, but I love them. I've been doing that since 94, 95. But anyway, I want to get lost my train of thought with the uh, um, uh, see, I lost the train. P, you're talking about P Funk Live and Boogie on that record. Right there, you go. So when I when I do it, the beginners is uh, when I when they when they just like all over the place. That album goes along with the the music book that I give them. I say, listen to this. I don't want you to try to play it. I just want you to listen. Because you know what, what what makes the timing. Almost every song was on the one like Big, that. Bigfoot you know? on drums, yeah. And what happened was, I didn't know at the time, but I'll listen to that song religiously so much that 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 metronome bass drum locked in my head. So when I'm playing with anybody, I, I got an automatic kick and drum in my head. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And I just lock it down, and uh, I get a lot of work like that. <laughs> you know? Great. Yeah, you don't need a click track if you can do that. No. Did you ever meet uh, Larry Graham? Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, let me holler this out on, on here. Maybe I can find somebody. Uh, Larry Graham was uh, 2013, I'm pretty sure, in Los Angeles at SRS Studios at the Bass Player Live. Remember that? Yeah. You ever go to I haven't been, no, but yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was sponsored by Bass Musician Magazine. It's called Bass Player Live. And, uh, and uh, it was just it was like a little mini nap show, but it was just Saturday and Sunday. Pretty cool. It wasn't, it wasn't that big either. It was just in the studio. But I'm all things bass, dude, so I'm going to be there. And the tickets are only like $30 each day at 35 You know what I mean? So I'm representing. And then they got little classrooms where they, they do those seminars and stuff. I'm going to be there. I was living there. You know what I mean? Uh, so anyway, Larry Graham was going to be there getting the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award and also doing a little, one of the little seminars in one of the rooms, right? While he was doing the seminar, he was asking people about songs, and he was just playing the songs, right? And so yeah, I raised my hand. I said, what about Powell? Remember Powell? Yeah, yeah. Powell. I got you. Yeah. Don't you let your funk down. Yeah, it's fast. When I said Powell, he said, oh, man. He said, what made you pick that song? Y'all wear me out, right? And I just smiled. I said, mister, because that's the first song I ever learned, learned of from you, period. And he touched his heart like this and bowed his head. He said, come on up here on stage. So this is the part I want to introduce out here. It's a lost video mystery where I get up there and I'm jamming air bass with Larry Graham while he's playing pow. 
I need that video somebody. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. Bass Players Live 2013. Robert Harper and Larry Graham on stage together. <laughs> but that was it, baby. And then afterwards, I was able to go backstage in, uh, in uh, the parking lot that's behind SR Studios where the regular attendants couldn't go. They let me slide back there and we took some photos. Probably one of the photos you might have seen. I took a photo with this crazy yellow and black shirt on. <laughs> and I, I didn't have a signature cap at the time, but I I, I honored that picture, man. Uh, another, another, you know, all my guys I meet down to earth, man. You know what I mean? I know snobby dudes, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Come on. Got to meet my idols. Lewis, Johnson, Boosie, Larry, come on. Am I blessed or what? Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to meet two of them. I never got to meet Lewis, but uh, uh, Bootsy and Larry, both so nice. Great guys. Yeah. Um, besides being geniuses on bass. There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you very much.